Welcome to Mic Drop Mass bonus feature, Between Two Episodes. Between the release of our episodes, my students will interview someone who has a unique perspective on Mass. Students get to ask all of their burning questions, and interviewees get to give them all of the answers. We love this bonus feature because we know conversations about mathematics shouldn't be limited to classroom lessons. For our second bonus feature, we brought in the amazing Dr. Trisha Storehunt. I didn't ask her to come in just because we both have hyphenated names, although that is pretty cool. I asked her to come in because Dr. Storehunt is a professor at the University of Richmond, and not just any professor. She was my professor and taught many of the education classes that I took. She left a big impression on me. I want my students and all of you to get the opportunity to experience, even if for just 30 minutes, the brilliance, the heart, the dedication, and the passion that Dr. Storehunt brings to every classroom she has ever been in. We are honored to have her as our guest on Between Two Episodes. Now, I'm going to pass the mic to my students. Hi, I'm Brooklyn. And I'm Luke. We are in fifth grade, and today we are interviewing Dr. Trisha Storehunt. Hello, Dr. Storehunt. Thanks for being here with us today. First, we have to ask, what kind of doctor are you? So, my degree is what's called a PhD. It's a Doctor of Philosophy, and you can get a PhD in lots of different areas, and mine is in education. How long have you been that kind of doctor? So, I got my degree in July of 1994, so about 25 and a half years at this point. Our teacher told us that you are a real professor at a real university. Which university do you work at? So I work at the University of Richmond. How long have you been working there? I started working at the university on August 1st, 1994. So I've worked 25 full years. This year is my 26th year at the university. What do you teach at the University of Richmond? Well, I've taught a lot of things over the years, but mostly today I teach math methods, which is a course to help future teachers learn how to teach math. And I teach science methods, so also a class for future teachers to learn how to teach science. And in the last couple of years, I've been teaching social studies methods as well. So all the same ideas, all to people who want to be elementary school teachers. What did you study that helped you get a job as a university professor? So when I went to school, I actually studied biochemistry. Um, I started as a science teacher. And I was in New York, that's where I taught, and New York requires teachers to earn a master's degree to stay in the classroom. So I had to go back to school. So I went back to school to get a master's degree in science education, basically to be a better science teacher. And then I decided to stay. So my PhD is in curriculum and instruction in science. Which colleges did you go to? So I went to a couple of colleges. I went to the United States Coast Guard Academy first because I wanted to be a marine biologist. And I wasn't real happy there, so I left. And I went to Stony Brook University, which is in New York, and they have a big uh, research center for marine science. And I spent a lot of time working for a scientist, and I did not like it. So I decided I would find something else to do. And I loved science, so I kept taking science classes and decided to major in biochemistry. 
So my dad was a science teacher, so I really liked it. I finished at Stony Brook, and then for graduate school, I went to the University of Buffalo. I taught in the city of Buffalo, and I got my master's and my PhD there. So three schools. That's cool. How long were you in college? Too long. <laughs> uh, so four years of undergraduate, which is pretty normal. And then I started graduate school in the spring of 89, and I finished in 1994. So about four and a half years of graduate school after that. So you taught our teacher, Miss Rose Corfield, when she was in college. What was she like? So she was very focused, very motivated. She was a really good athlete. And at Richmond, the, the athletes, we call them um, student athletes, athletes, scholars, lots of different names. She was a very good student and a good athlete and always wanted to learn more constantly. So she came in to see me when she had questions, which not everybody does, but she did. She was very serious about her work. Was she a good student? Absolutely. She was so good that she, when she would get a grade on something and she didn't like it, she'd come back and do it again and ask me how she could improve it. So she believed in learning from mistakes, and I'm sure she teaches you all about the value of making mistakes. and. She was really committed to doing better work. What do you remember most about her? Most? I saw her play a couple of times, so I remember seeing her on the athletic field. Um, she was very engaged in class. She loved my math class. I know that for sure. Yeah, she was, she was a really good student, so. We heard that this year you are doing something special. What's this special about this year of teaching for you? So usually I teach undergraduate and graduate students at the University of Richmond. So I teach maybe two days a week and I go to meetings and I write papers um, and I like it, but I don't get to spend a lot of time out in the schools. I go out normally a couple times a month and I might read a story to kids or I might watch a lesson, but I don't get to spend a lot of time. So this year I'm part of a second grade team at an elementary school and I'm teaching second grade every day. I teach a lot of math. I have three second grades and I teach an hour of math in each one. And I teach science and social studies sometimes. I have breakfast duty and bus duty and recess duty and I get to spend a lot of time with kids so it's great. Why did you take a sabbatical? So when you teach at a college about every seven or eight years you're given time to kind of recharge your batteries. Teachers need to take a break and get some rest and and maybe explore new things and do new research. Just sort of a, a way to get excited about your job again. And because I prepared teachers, I wanted to make sure that I was teaching in a way that prepared teachers for the classrooms of today, not the classrooms of 20 years ago when I taught. So I think it's important to stay current, which is why I'm in a classroom. Did you still get paid? 
<laughs> yes, I would not be on sabbatical if I didn't get paid. So I, the university pays me. The school division doesn't. But the university pays my salary for me to be away to do this work. Has it been what you expected? Yes and no. Um, so last January, I started going to my school one day a week, all day, to get to know the teachers. So I, I learned a little bit about the school. Um, I forget how tiring teaching is, so by Friday I'm exhausted and I just want to go home and put my pajamas on at 6 o'clock at night. Um, so I forgot how hard it is because it's a hard job. I forgot how much I love the kids. Uh, so it's nice to have those reminders, but I'm grateful to be there every day and, and um, there are always surprises but there are always surprises when you teach anyway, so it's been good. What do you like about it? I love being with kids every day. Um, when I'm on breakfast duty, kids come in and I get hugs, even from kids that I don't teach, which is great. I get to have conversations with some of the older kids, fifth graders and fourth graders, which is nice. I really love seeing how kids are thinking about math, not just watching it on a video, but actually talking to them about what they're learning. I actually like seeing the mistakes that they make because it's like a puzzle to figure out why they're thinking that way and why they're doing that. So that part to me is really fascinating. And I'm doing a lot of curriculum design, which means I get to make up activities and games and try them out with kids. And that has been so much fun. That's probably one of my favorite things. What is challenging about it? <laughs> so I, um, when I proposed my sabbatical, I wanted to be a regular classroom teacher, but the county wasn't really interested in working that out. It took me a long time just to find a place to go. So I had to settle for being the math person so as much as I love it, they're not, it's not my classroom. In any of the three that I'm in, it belongs to another teacher. So finding a balance of, can I discipline a kid? Can I say to a kid, you know, you really shouldn't be doing that or you're doing a great job. Some of that is hard and frustrating at times, but that's probably the most challenging. I'm challenged by the kids who are really struggling and I can't figure out how to help them. That really bothers me because everything that I teach future teachers isn't working for some of them. And so now I'm like, what else can I try? That's a real challenge and I'm determined to help them before the end of the year, but we'll see. Here at Mike Jump Maths, we always, we always ask, do you say math or maths? I like mathematics <laughs> because I know both are correct, math and maths. It's, you know, it's a difference of are you American or are you, are you from the UK or New Zealand or Australia? Math is both singular and plural. Mathematics is singular and plural depending on how you use it. So I tend to say mathematics. Um, when I say maths to people who don't understand what that means, they think that I have a problem. So <laughs> with most of my kids, we say math or math class. Would you be willing to shift to maths? 
Sure, if I could get enough people to agree to it. At the University of Richmond, you teach teachers that want to be teachers, right? Yes, I do. What is the most important thing you teach them? Oh, that's a really hard question because there are a lot of important things. Um, well, since I'm teaching math and I'm really focused on math, I think the most important thing I teach them about teaching math is that mistakes are important and it's one of the most important ways that students can learn. So I want them to learn to value mistakes. I want them to help kids see that it's okay to make mistakes. And I want them to know how to make a classroom environment where kids aren't afraid to make mistakes. And I think that's hard sometimes. For math, I think those are, that's probably one of the most important things I teach them. What makes a good teacher? So I think a good teacher is patient. I think a good teacher is good at developing relationships with students. Um, someone who knows who his or her students are, who can ask about what you're doing outside of school, not just interested in academics, but you as a person, I think is really important because it's hard to learn from somebody that you don't know and understand. Um, I think a good teacher obviously knows their content and understands ways to teach it. I think a good teacher is willing to take risks and try things with kids that might be silly or outrageous because it might be the best way for kids to learn sometimes. What do teachers have to do to become teachers? Most states, Virginia included, have guidelines that say specifically some of the things you have to do. So teachers in Virginia have to earn a bachelor's degree. All areas of the curriculum, so English courses and history courses and science courses and math courses, um, as well as courses in education about teaching and learning how to teach. You have to take a lot of courses on reading and learning how to teach reading. You have to take a reading exam to show that you know how to teach reading. You have to take a content exam that shows you understand math and science and social studies and language arts. You have to take a test in reading and writing that shows you have developed well-developed skills of reading comprehension and that you know how to write and know how to edit and fix mistakes. Um, so there's a lot involved there. And then you have to, part of the requirement is to either student teach or to teach for a whole year before you can get a teaching license. We know you teach teachers how to teach all of these subjects. What's your favorite subject to teach? So even though I was a science teacher, my favorite subject to teach is math and math methods, so. Good answer. Was it your favorite subject to learn? So I really struggled in math when I was in elementary school. I actually had a lot of problems. I had a teacher in fifth grade who actually realized I was struggling and helped me a lot. But that put me behind a lot of my friends. So I didn't take a lot of challenging courses. You know, I didn't take calculus in high school. I didn't do a lot of the things other students did. Um, 
So science was always my favorite class, and I took Latin for five years, and I loved Latin. Um, but I really loved science classes a lot. And I wish I'd liked math more, but it really wasn't until I got to college and then later when I started teaching it that I realized how much I loved math. Part of that was because I didn't have good math teachers. But I think now if you have good math teachers, you actually can learn to love math. Do you think all kids can learn math? Absolutely. Everyone can learn math. I think too many people say they're bad at math. Nobody would say, oh, I'm terrible at reading, right? We say, oh, I can't balance my checkbook, but you, we can. I think people just don't think they're very good at it, but everybody can learn math. Miss Westcorfield told us you have a son. How old is he? So my son is 18. He'll be 19 in February. Does he like math as much as you? He wants to be an architect, so he actually loves math. He likes to build, he likes to draw, um, and he likes computers as well. So yes, I do think he's very fond of math. He also likes science. We always say maths because we know mathematics is about so much more than just adding, subtracting, multiplying, and dividing. What is your favorite concept to teach or learn in mathematics. I like multiplying decimals. You do? Why do you like multiplying decimals? Because I think it's really fun. Um. <laughs> All right, so one of the things that I love to teach, so I'm in second grade right now, I'm not doing multiplication, um, but I like teaching kids to think about all the different ways to find an answer to a problem. So we just started teaching addition and subtraction with regrouping this week. And before Christmas we'd worked on two-digit addition and subtraction. And we haven't even gotten to the standard algorithm yet. We're doing, we've done number lines, we've done hundred charts, we've done um, base 10 blocks, We've done all kinds of things to get them to think differently. We've done some mental math. We've decomposed numbers and looked at ways to rearrange them so that we're still doing the same thing. So I love that part of it because I learned one way and that was the only way I ever learned how to do it until I started thinking about all the ways our brains work and that Honestly, if you can get an answer efficiently and correctly and you're thinking about the math in the right way, it shouldn't matter what form you use on paper. It should be whatever makes sense to your brain and makes sense mathematically. So I like doing that. I do the same thing with multiplication and teach kids different ways to find answers and to think about problems and to draw pictures. And I love that. So I love thinking about different ways to solve any particular problem. Be honest, is there anything you don't like in maths? Is there anything I don't like? So maybe something that I'm not as fond of teaching, maybe? Hmm. No, I think I pretty much like all of it. If you weren't a professor or a teacher, what would you be? I'd probably be a librarian because I love books and I like to read, so I wouldn't mind that, but I also really love to cook, so I'd love to work in a bakery and bake sweets and bread and things like that.
Do you ever use maths outside of work? Yes, all the time. So I like to, to solve puzzles. So I do Ken Ken and Sudoku for fun. Lots of, you know, I pick up the paper on Friday. There's a fun section in it that has a lot of math problems. Um, I do math in the kitchen all the time because a lot of times I double recipes or I have recipes. Um, I just taught myself how to crochet over the break and there's actually a lot of counting and some math in there as I'm just trying to figure out how big I wanted things and what size I wanted the stitches and what I should use. So I use math a lot. I use it when I drive my car because I wait until the last possible minute to fill up. So I'm always trying to calculate how much farther I can get before I put gas in my car. So every single day I use math in some way outside of the classroom. We read a book called Two of Everything. The hot dogs have a magic pie and everything gets doubled. We use it to help us write expressions during maths. Do you ever read books about math? Yes, and I have a big collection of literature that I use in my math class and that I take to, to school for my kids. Um, it's, I use it in all of my classes. We actually sometimes read um, novels that have math in it. I have a friend who wrote a story about a boy who lived in a family where everybody loved math, but he liked English. And so he wrote poems based on the Fibonacci sequence instead of doing math. Um, so I do read books about math and I make my future teachers read books about math and make lists about good books to share with kids about math. I like novels, but necessarily not the mathematics ones. No? Have you read The Phantom Tollbooth? Next book, it's got math and English in it. It's good. Do you ever go into classes to watch how the teachers teach? Do you like to see in the mathematics classes? I like to see math classrooms that are not about worksheets. Classrooms where the students are using manipulatives and really thinking about the meaning behind the math, not just solving the problems. And I really like math classrooms where there's a lot of discussion. And I don't mean teachers asking questions. I mean kids talking to one another about what they're learning and explaining what they did. I love classrooms where when students solve problems and they're sharing answers, the teacher says, did someone do it another way? And we look at all the different ways that students solve problems. So those are some of the things I like to see. Bill Scorfield does a lot of those. Yes, it's great. We want to know, is there anything you really don't want teachers to do in a classroom? Don't. Hmm. I'm not a fan of what's called cold calling, which means I don't think you should just pick on a student if they haven't answered. I like equity sticks if a lot of students have their hands up so that everybody feels like they can participate. But I don't like to see teachers put students on the spot because sometimes there's a reason they don't participate or they don't want to raise their hand. Um, I think it's really important to be positive with kids. Have you ever seen teachers make a mistake when teaching? Yes, I have, and I've done it myself. Everybody makes mistakes, and sometimes I have to back up and say, I am so sorry. 
I did that wrong. Let's do this again. So everybody makes mistakes when they teach. Do you enjoy teaching teachers how to teach maths? I do, and I miss it. It's probably the thing I miss the most this year. Um, but I'll teach summer school this summer, and I'll go back in May. And I've already rewritten my class over and over based on everything that I'm learning while I'm out in the second grade right now, but I do love it. Are there any mistakes that kids make in math all the time that you think we should know about? Well, right now in second grade, the students are regrouping and they always forget to add in the 10 that they've regrouped, always. At more than half of the class, just they put the little one up there and then they add the numbers that were there. So if it's a three and a two, instead of getting six because they've added the extra 10 in, they get five. Um, so that's one thing I see a lot. What other mistakes? Sometimes I see fraction mistakes if kids don't understand that fractions all have to be the same size uh, when they're writing fractions. Uh, there are a few things that they do. A, a lot of times the mistakes kids make tend to be related to the standard algorithm and not following the process. Maybe they work left to right instead of right to left. That's why I like teaching different methods that rely on what they know about math and numbers because they tend not to make as many mistakes that way. Why do you think we study the order of operations? Well, somebody, some mathematician somewhere had to design some rules that everybody follows so that they understand, yes, how to put all of these things together. So they may seem kind of arbitrary, but they're just the basic rules that all mathematicians follow. So it's important, since mathematicians communicate through numbers, that you can understand what they're trying to communicate. Do you think it's important to learn? Yes, especially when you get to more sophisticated math, uh, where the equations are long, um, and when you get to calculus and other things, it's really important. Do you use PEMDAS or GEMDAS? I don't use PEMDAS. Um, I'm not real fond of the acronym. GEMDAS is okay. I think grouping is, you know, there's more than parentheses. There's brackets. There's, um, if you're British, they use BODMAS, which is a little different. Um, but again, brackets doesn't include everything. So in that sense, GEMDAS is good because it talks about all groupings. What do you use? We use GEMDAS. Awesome. Which letter is your favorite? letter in GEMDAS? I really like exponents. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't learned exponents yet. Oh. What secret talent do you have? Secret talent? Well, I do bake a lot. I bake all the birthday cakes for everyone at, at work when it's their birthday, so I'm a pretty good baker. Um, that's probably it, I think. I can't think of anything else, really. If you could compare yourself to any animal, which would it be and why? Compare myself to any animal. What about a chimp? They're really smart. Yeah. <laughs> and they use tools, yes. Um, I'm trying to think about an animal that, that sort of teaches other animals. I suppose I could 
compare myself to an elephant. Elephants, we talk about how elephants always remember. They uh, travel thousands of miles. They can always find their way back. They remember everything. I have a pretty good memory, so I would say probably an elephant. Okay, to wrap up our interview, we're going to end with our segment called Give Maths a Chance. You get 30 seconds to try to convince kids and their parents why maths is awesome and why we should learn all about it. Ready? Ready? Go. Go. Okay, so could you imagine a world where there were no numbers? You wouldn't be able to call anybody on the telephone because you wouldn't know what to dial. You wouldn't know how old you were or how to celebrate your birthday. Uh, You wouldn't know the score of the football game, which was really important yesterday if you watched any of the games. So I think everybody should learn math because we can't have a world without numbers. Oh, I still have time left over. Wow. (laughs) You wouldn't be able to eat anything. No recipes. That would be terrible. (laughs) That's really sad. (laughs) Thank you, Dr. Trisha Store Hunt. That was really fun. Thank you for coming and doing this interview with us. You are very welcome. I'm glad I was invited, and I'm glad I could come.